0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Build Buzz, a podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the Quilterverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Megan of the Athena Workshop. Hey, everybody. Now, before we jump into all our quilty questions today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan?
1: Yeah. Uh, So my name is Megan Lopez. Uh, I'm originally from Panama City, Panama, but I've been living here in Tennessee for the past 17 years. Uh, I'm married to my husband for almost two years, but we've been partners for 10 years. And we have a German shepherd named Athena. Um, in my day job, I work for a center that supports victims of domestic and sexual
2: violence. And in my nights and weekends job, I'm the person behind the Athena workshop. So I guess that kind of answers the story behind your Instagram handle. Is it named after your dog?
1: No. And oh, it's like, okay. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's twist. Twist. That <laughs> yep. My dog and the shop are named after the Greek goddess Athena. So okay. it just kind of fit really well. She's always, I have always been really obsessed with um, Greek mythology since I was really little and Athena was always my favorite. She was the goddess of wisdom and justice. She was the goddess of war. She was the goddess of uh, handicrafts and artisan work and all of that. So it just felt like it fit in really well so first I got Athena and then when I wanted to do this and I remembered that she was also the goddess of of artisans and handcrafts I was like that's perfect the Athena workshop and I didn't want to like limit myself to like something that I was telling people like I'm only gonna do quilts or I'm only gonna do this I wanted it to be broad enough to where if I wanted to you know extend myself into another direction or add something new it would still fit
0: a smart decision. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, Athena is a total badass. Yeah,
1: for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By far top five
0: goddesses. Yes. In Greek mythology. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when did you start quilting and how did that align with your quilt uh, journey so far?
1: Well, I started quilting when my mom started learning quilting. Um, I was like 12 or 13 from when I remember I was really young and she was starting to learn quilting and me being the oldest child, I'm always like her right hand person for everything that she needs help with. So I was always in her, in her sewing room, like helping her figure it out, doing all the menial tasks. Like this is before we realized that there were like quilt rulers and things out there. So like, if we needed 500 squares, then we just like cut out a little template and I like traced it around and cut them all out with scissors. So I, oh <laughs> wow. Shocked. I've never done that. <laughs> I, uh, I used to do that too. Yeah, great exactly. way to learn it. Yeah. You understand
0: seam allowance very clearly.
1: Yes. And Mm -hmm. so I started making a couple of quilts and I kind of fell out of it as I grew older and I went to college and everything. I never knew anything about the modern quilting movement until just very recently, you know, a couple of years ago. And when I saw it, I was just like, this is exactly what I want. This is like my style. This is perfect. This is everything I've dreamed of. I didn't know that we could do this, you know? And so I just went from there. I got into it and I've loved it ever since. So did
0: coming back uh, or picking quilting back up, did that uh, coincide with your starting the Athena workshop or did you like start sharing on Instagram personally and then decide to switch over or?
1: No, it really started from once I kind of got into modern quilting, it really started from just not feeling like I could find the patterns that I wanted to make, you know, and I feel like that's kind of a trend in my life, really, because it's, it just kind of stems from this quote from Toni Morrison. She's talking about writing books, but she says, you know, if you can't find the book that you want to read, then you have to write it yourself. And that's what I kind of felt with you know, quilt patterns and and everything. I was like, I'm just not finding it. There's beautiful patterns out there, of course, but I would always be like, I wish it just had this thing, or I wish I could add this other color or, you know, something was always off about it. And so I was like, well, I guess I have no choice, but to make what I want to see out there. (laughs) Do you have an art
0: uh, art uh,
1: design background or anything? Or No, both my degrees are in politics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom is is an artist. Like she went to school for graphic design. Um, she still has all of her work that she did in college that I just love to pour through. Anytime I had art projects in school, she really helped me, um, you know, really see things in a really unique way. She's got lots of like my school paintings and stuff up in her house and everything and I've always been very creative, and I've always had an artistic side, um, but I never like studied it or or did anything professional with it or anything like that. No.
3: Does she still have any input in what you do today with your quilting?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> thing that I do goes through her first. Like she still takes class. Like she literally just called me yesterday and she takes a quilting class almost every day in this in the town that she lives. And, um, she calls me after every class and she's like, look what I made. Guess what I figured out how to do. And you know, if you do it like this, it comes out so easy. Like every tip trick, everything she's learning, she calls me and she tells me about it. And I do the same thing. So, um, you know, we're, we're really close in that way. So how did you learn how to write quote patterns? Well, in my current job, and my boss tells me that I have a brain for writing procedure, so I already do it a lot. And especially in this lab, like I've been with my department since it was before it was even a department since the day the center opened, I've been with it. So I've always been very much a part of like writing all the procedures out, all the admin stuff for all the new staff. And so my boss and I are really close in that way and that we've, we've been in it from the beginning and last year with COVID and everything, we had to completely revamp all of our procedures. I mean, in the span of a couple of days, honestly. And so I, I just naturally have that, very analytical, literal brain <laughs> where it just comes really easy to me in the sense that I always put myself in another person's shoes and I don't assume that they know certain things. And so I just try to make it as absolutely simple as possible. Um, whenever we're writing material for clients or procedures or anything like that, we also like always make sure to write it in a really accessible way where we keep track of like what grade level we're writing at um, you know the the reading ease score of something and so I try really hard to always maintain that same approach in writing patterns as well and just making it as simple you know not a lot of words lots of graphics just trying to make it as accessible as possible.
3: When you mention accessible as well like back in my old job we used to do a lot of government reports and one of the things that we had to do was make sure that the colors were suitable for people that, you know, weren't colorblind. Is that something that you also consider when you write quote patterns as well?
1: I haven't, but I have um, worked recently with a tester who is red and green colorblind. And so that's really been um, an important experience to be able to kind of take that, that feedback in as well. I always also try to write all my, well, I do write all my patterns with nothing smaller than size 14 font where I can avoid it. Uh, just to be ada compliant in that in that way as well so just trying to really make sure that this quilting niche in general is as accessible as possible to folks too which also is why I translate everything into Spanish as well where I can you know I think it's easy for a lot of folks to assume that oh like quilting is just a really big thing in the western world or in the english-speaking world um, you know and I always wonder like is it really or is it just because, there's not a lot of space here for other folks. And so I want to always make sure to make that space as well.
0: It's tough. I always try to find a tester who um, English is their second language because mm-hmm. I am, my husband is um, was born in France and so English is his second language and he always makes fun of me for the fact that I use so many idioms. He's <laughs> like, Amanda, you use the phrase meat and potatoes. Nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> And so... And again, like it's something, it slips into, you know, pattern writing, it slips into everything so quickly. And I think to have someone call you out on being clear and mm-hmm. concise um, and to not put the onus so much on somebody else is, you know, it's it's always nice to have someone who's um, reading for that. Yeah. Whether absolutely. they know it or not, I try not to tell them. That. <laughs> 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 it's like explaining quilting to a non-quilter. That's always a And you know
3: what? It's really funny. Like when you say that, oh, I quilt, people do this like hand motion as if they're knitting. Do you get that as
0: well? All the time. Mm. I just ripped someone a new one yesterday. I was like, I didn't say knitting. I said quilting.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Like they're like, what? And I think because when I say quilting as well, I don't think they actually understand my accent, especially like in the US. Mm. So I have to spell it out.
0: <laughs> like literally, are you going u u i l? Yeah. It's
2: like
3: the, the thing that you put on your bed.
2: <laughs> so switching gears a little bit for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with your work, could you describe your style?
1: Yeah. I think I would personally describe it as definitely minimalist, but balanced. Like I don't like super busy, but I also don't like a lot of negative space. I don't like I don't, I'm not someone who really understands like abstract art and poetry and stuff, unfortunately. No. Um, you're not a beatnik. <laughs> so when there's like a lot of uh, negative space and stuff. I'm just like, what does this mean? I don't oh, I get it. I live for negative space.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then I are like more negative space. We just want a blank. We just want pole cloth quilts. I,
2: I don't well, I understand know. poetry though.
0: No, uh, poetry is a tough, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean I've I've struggled with anxiety for the better part of my teen and my adult life so I like to create things that kind of bring my heart rate down and that tends that to be simpler designs with like a good balance and a limited selection of you know colors is what I like best personally but again going back to accessibility and all that and I always want to feel like folks can take that pattern and turn it into anything that they want, that the pattern really is just giving you the, the bones or the building blocks to create your own work of art. So I like to give people lots of options and patterns, usually in the form of like the amount of colors that you can use. I almost always have like a two tone, a multicolor and a scrappy option. Um, And I tend to pull a lot from like my culture and the places that I've been. There's a lot of inspiration from, you know, growing up in Latin America or traveling or my family. Um, So that, I think that's how I would describe it.
0: So when you're starting off with a new idea, kind of, can you walk us through
1: your design process of how you tackle something? Yeah, it usually, because this is what got me into pattern writing at the beginning, it usually starts with, okay, well, what do I want to make? You know, what, what? could, what would excite me right now What's something I've been wanting to try. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in making things that you love so that you stay in love with the hobby and with the business and you don't start hating it. Um, and it's also what makes you stand out, right? I mean, ever if you're just doing what everybody else is doing, then, you know, there's no reason for folks to, you know, be paying like extra special attention or anything. So I just try to think of like, okay, if I wasn't doing any kind of, monetization off this hobby. What literally would I be making right now? What would be exciting? Um, And then I just kind of start drawing and sketching. I also sometimes like to look up what kind of quilts are out there already with that specific design in mind, just so I know what not to make. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I I don't ever want to feel like I'm creating something that isn't authentic to me. So if I see something where I'm like, oh, that's pretty similar. And I'm like, throw it all out throw it all out. <laughs> I'm don't. I'm not i not going to do that, you know, change this block or change, tweak it a little bit here, throw the whole thing out. New idea, brand new. You
2: know.
3: That is really good. Like, because, you know, in the sort of digital age, it's so easy to just copy and paste something and mm-hmm. call it your own. Right. So, yeah. so you started creating quote patterns back in July, 2019. Um, do you think that your style has changed
1: since? um only in the sense that i feel like i'm kind of becoming more and more solidified in who i am and and what i like i think in the beginning i look back at it and i kind of see me playing with what i think was my style or what i or what i wanted and i just feel like with every every design that i that i come up with i feel like i feel more confident in it i feel like i'm i'm really solidifying my foundation here in terms of, you know, I think we all kind of (laughs) are afraid to use the word artist, you know, but (laughs) especially in regards to ourselves. But I think the more that I, the more patterns I create, the more designs that I create, I think I get closer and closer to feeling really confident in that title.
0: So you talked about earlier about, you know, trying to make your patterns as accessible as possible and really having that forefront and also adding that superpower of being a process person, like a true process person. That is a rare thing. Like the hands down. Um, anyways, I will send around a survey about that. Um, <laughs> so with, you know, when you sit down to design, do you have any tips or tricks, uh, for other designers of how you put yourself in the beginner's shoes?
1: I would say exactly that put yourself in their shoes. What would a beginner, you know, would a beginner know what, this means would this flow be intuitive for a beginner think about what you struggled with when you were a beginner and what you wish you would have known or that really simple thing that ended up being really simple but for you to figure out was really complicated you know think back to those days on on what you struggled with and be the person that you would have wanted in that stage of your quilting journey.
2: So at the end of each quilt pattern you have written, you include something that's a little different. Could you tell us more about that and why you choose to include it?
1: Yeah. So at the end
2: of every pattern,
1: um, I include two pages on domestic violence. Um, As you guys heard me say earlier, that's my full-time job. And it's a job that I've had for a really long time and that I really love and care deeply about. And one of the things that we constantly come up with um, is just How do we continue to educate people on what domestic violence is? Most people tend to have a really specific view of what it is. um, And a lot of times it's a lot more complicated and a lot more nuanced than that. Um, And another barrier that we kind of have to that is how do we get that information into people's hands, specifically for people who might actually be living in violent or scary situations, giving them information can put them in more danger you know if if an abuser was to find that information um so we're always trying to come up with kind of unique ways to get that information into people's hands or people's homes um and when i was thinking around creating this business um you know i thought how can i include this important information given also that quilting is you know an art form that is dominated mostly by women and we know that the um you know, the majority of, uh, domestic violence and sexual violence is perpetrated against women. Um, so I decided to include that information at the very end in the hopes that, you know, if someone ever read it and it's and it's written so that if you find yourself in that position or someone that you love or care about finds themselves in that position, um, you also kind of have a better understanding of what's going on and that it's not as easy as just, well, why don't you leave or why don't you just call the police? It's it's just not um And so, and that was another hope that I wanted to accomplish, you know, was to also educate people who aren't in DV situations. Um, And so there's two pages at the end of every pattern. Again, just a discreet way to kind of get that information into homes and into people's hands. Um, And... You know, there's a phone number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, There's 15 signs that someone could be dangerous. Um, There's information on the power and control wheel. Um, things like that. And I had to really cut it down because I'm a really wordy person. (laughs) And it was originally four pages. and, (laughs) And everybody told me I had to cut it down. And I did, but I could not get it down to one. So all of the extra things that I wanted to put in there, like what makes a really high risk case and those really scary factors are all on the website as well. So it's just under the help section, which again, I wanted to be Um, discreet about as well in case someone is viewing the website and you know you don't want it to scream domestic violence and sexual assault information right here Um, so it just is just a little help tab there and it's got all that information there and I think that that's something that you know if we think about especially if you sell patterns in pdf form it's something that we've all got something that we're super passionate about, that we wish we could educate people on, that we wish that we could raise awareness about. And it's a really easy way to do that. Especially, like I said, if you're selling your patterns through PDF, this doesn't cost anything to add an extra page at the end and you just got to write it once and then you just slap them on the end of all of them. So it's not something <laughs> that takes up a lot of energy or, or anything either. But, you know, we've like I said, we've all got those things that we're really passionate about that we wish we could help spread the word on. And I think that's a really easy and great way for us to tap into, um, you know, that side of ourselves where we we all want to help in some way. We all want to help make the world a better place. And, and that's a great way to do that, I think.
3: Have you got any sort of feedback um, from your con- customers about the information at the back of your
1: quote patterns? Yeah, I've gotten a lot of people who've reached out to me and, and shared that, you know, they, found themselves in a domestic violence situation or that they grew up in one when they were younger, Um, you know, and that's been really touching for me to connect with people in that way that people have said that they appreciate it, um, you know, and that it's inspiring to see that or that it's helpful to see that and that, you know, they've not seen that before. Um, So I I really appreciate when people share that story with me and, you know, trust me enough to do that.
3: Mm.
1: And like, I think when you talk
3: about domestic violence, like, you know, you immediately think of the physical things, but, you know, Mm -hmm. there are sort of a lot of emotional sort of side to it as well. Um, Like back in my previous job, we did quite a bit of work in DV as well um, for our government clients. And it's just quite interesting to hear about all those sort of learnings as well and the different types of,
1: you know, beasts that you get. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something mm -hmm. that I also wanted to clarify in, in that information. And it's, I put it in there, you know, it's important to note that very many um, scary and violent and potentially deadly relationships don't have any physical violence in them at all. So, mm. you, you know, you can't think that because there's only verbal or emotional or mental or financial or, you know, non-physical abuse that it's just a matter of, you know, just pack your bags and get out of here. Um, it, it's just not like that, you know, and that's what I mean when I say it's it's far more complicated and nuanced than, than people realize.
0: Um, In addition to sharing information through uh, your patterns, charitable donations are uh, really part of the ethos of the Athena Workshop. Can you tell us more about your decision to donate 10% of all pattern and quilt sales?
1: Yeah, so a few reasons. One for me personally is is just my faith, but also, it's my my heavy belief that we all have a duty to one another, whether I know you, whether you look like me, whether you've made decisions that I do or don't agree with. We do have a duty to one another. And I want to remind People of that, in, in everything I do, I want to encourage people to think differently of one another, to not think so much about competing against one another or hoarding up money or supplies or things, um, you know. But what it for, would do for you personally, for others, and for our world as a whole if you know we gave some of what we have away rather than constantly operating from this point of scarcity and competition.
2: For those of our listeners who are interested in partnering or with also donating. uh, Can you share any advice for how to choose a a good charity?
1: Yeah. So I would say do lots of research, um, especially with those really big national organizations. You really want to ask yourself how much of the money that I would be giving would actually go directly into the hands of people that this organization professes to support. And what does the organization do with the rest of its money? Like what policies, politicians, or groups does it also in turn support? Um, My best advice would be really to just choose local, small grassroots organizations in your city, in your school, even in your neighborhood. Um, So, for example, instead of maybe donating to the National Boy Scouts of America organization, you could find a local Boy Scout troop in your community that, you know, needs that support. There's always, continuing along the lines of this Boy Scout example, you know, there's always (laughs) boys who, uh, you know, can't afford to participate in everything or maybe have other needs outside of that um, outside of the meetings and things like that where your money could go a lot further in terms of impact um, than it would if it went toward this big organization that has lots of overhead costs, lots of staff to pay, um, you know, lots of materials to print and, and things like that. Um, so I would say wherever possible, choose those local small grassroots organizations rather than those really big um, national or international organizations.
3: That's, That's great really advice. good
0: advice. Save yourself some time on researching too.
3: Mm-hmm. So you have a pattern that's coming up soon. Um, Could you tell us more about the social goods patterns?
1: Yeah. So again, starting last year, a social good pattern was something that I wanted to commit to doing every year, um, which was, is just, you know, a pattern where all profits go to the specific organization or cause that they're for, or that was inspired by, um, for the life of the pattern. So, and I really wanted to make sure it was for the life of the pattern, um, just because you know i'm still quite small in terms of audience and so i wanted to make sure that as i grow and gain um, a bigger audience that that will hopefully continue to raise more and more money for um, that organization as well as you know being able to give consistently rather than a one-time donation is also really important to continue to sustain the work of these organizations so i wanted to be able to continue to give in the long term as well um, so last year's pattern was inspired by my grandfather, who is Mexican, and he was born and raised in the Southwest, um, and it's called the Peli Pattern, and that one goes to support immigrant families together. And then this year's is called the Celebrate Pride Quilt, which goes to support Project Q in Los Angeles, which provides support to LGBTQ youth there.
0: That's really cool. I think it's yeah, awesome. awesome that year it's in perpetuity mm-hmm. instead of just doing it for a month off here or there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's really beyond thoughtful. Um, so it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilting questions. Are you ready, Megan? Yes. Okay, Wendy, why don't
1: you kick us off?
3: All right. So what is your favorite time of day to quilt?
1: Oh, early morning. I'm an early bird all the way. How early? As soon as I wake up, which is at Wait. 6 a.m. every morning. So I needed a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wants the second as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> i'll start texting you exactly at 6 (laughs) a.m
1: where do you sew um in my sewing slash guest room it was originally a sewing room that's why we got this two-bedroom but i needed a guest room too so (laughs) we compromised
0: (laughs) uh do you wear shoes while
3: sewing nope just Uh, socks socks okay socks like socks all year round Mm -hmm. yes
1: all year round
3: um music netflix podcasts or sounds of silence
1: none i really listen to audiobooks when i sew. i'm a big big reader and uh sewing time is prime listening time so what what genre of books oh i love anything although i do have to skip around if i get really burned out on something like if i'm reading something really heavy and i need like a palate cleanser like i just finished reading roots and now i'm reading uh mythos by stephen fry which is just, I love Stephen Fry. Yeah, it's really good. Oh my God. Really good. And audiobooks, like the narrator makes it favorite. or breaks it. So it. Is he reading it himself? Yes. And he's oh. so funny. And it's, oh my God. it's a great so one. Good. It's great. Um, favorite snack while quilting? Um, none. I don't eat in here. My mom put the fear of God in me about getting <laughs> food on your fabric. So I only drink wine. <laughs> favorite traditional blog? Um, I don't know what it's called. But it's the basket block, the one with, like, the basket on the side and the flowers coming out of it. That oh, yeah. one. Oh, okay. I've been wanting yeah. to figure out a way to, like, redo it in, like, a modern way that hasn't already been done. But I don't know what it's called, but that one.
2: What is your favorite color?
1: Blue. What is your favorite brand of solids? Oh, that's a tough one. I But I mostly use Kona, although I really like what Art Gallery Fabrics is doing with solids right now, too. Their new solid collection, mm, really mm, good. Nom nom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, their TikTok channel might be
0: the cutest thing I've ever seen. Wait, do you have TikTok now, man? I got TikTok after Hillary. I totally joined TikTok. Okay, I maybe... have three followers. One is Hillary. Jordan. I'll be your fourth <laughs>
1: because I also joined. Too. Please. Jo- okay. Good. Okay. It's so it's
0: not embarrassing. It's just like whatever. Like it's fun.
2: What's your favorite Kona color? Ooh, I would say Kona Peach. What color fabric do you use the most? Oh,
1: well, just out of necessity, cone of bone, just because that's my, that's my normal neutral one. But I think in general, I really gravitate toward like pinks and purples and reds, which is really crazy because I grew up being like that anti pink girl. And my mom recently brought this up as like, oh, didn't you used to hate pink. <laughs> <laughs> and now I love it. So whatever, mom. Uh, solids or prints? Solids. Who's your favorite fabric designer? That's also really hard. Um, I'm really digging Alexia Marcella Beg lately, but I think like Bonnie Christine and Amy Cinebaldi are just like my all-time favorites too. What's the last fabric you bought? It's Univer- one of the prints from Universal Love by Cloud9, which is coincidentally going to be the backing on one of my Celebrate Pride um, quilts. So I thought that whole fabric line was perfect for this project. What is your favorite quilt shop, online or brick and mortar? Um, Right now, I I would say probably Hawthorne Supply Company just because it's Mm -hmm. so easy to shop on their website. So that's what keeps me going back to them.
3: Yeah, they're very organized. I love their website as well.
1: How do you organize your fabrics? Well, I have prints on one side and then I have solids on the other side. And then usually I just have them split up between like Fabric where I have enough left over to do something substantial with. And then, like, scraps. And what do you do with those scraps? Um... Scraps that I can reuse, I just organize them and I try to reuse them. Like right now I'm in a quilt bee this year. And so I've been making it a challenge for myself to pull from just the scraps fabric that I have to try to use it up. But like the small, small scraps where you really can't do much else with it. Um, I'm wanting to use them for like stuffing for cushions and pet beds and, and things like that. So I've just been like hoarding it. I've got a bunch and I'm waiting for an opportunity to like start creating maybe like a tutorial or something to to use that for stuffing what sewing notion couldn't you live about unfortunately my seam ripper what's your favorite roller of size um the one i use most often i think is six by 12
0: uh, pressing preference
1: mm, i prefer to the side but most often i end up doing open
0: hell yeah
2: oh, no. <laughs> go with your preference
3: <laughs> open winds um pick one
1: hsts curves or flying geese hsts
2: do you go to a long arm quilter
1: yes um i do not like the quilting process um so i usually send all of my stuff to third coast quilting do you machine or hand bind
2: machine spray pin or thread based spray pre-wash always sometimes never never um what is your favorite part
0: of the quilting process
1: Um, I would say seeing it come alive. I mean, no matter how many patterns I've successfully executed, which up to this point is a hundred percent. Um, I always look at the finished version, like full hands on hips. And I'm just like, wow, I really did it. It's a great feeling (laughs) every time, every time. Uh, what's your least favorite part of the quilting process? I would say piecing the back, which is really silly, but I hate it.
0: You got to
2: get into the party, (laughs) party in the quilt back. What's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Um, Not trimming my threads
1: from the back of the quilt top before I send it off. Who is your quilty BFF? My mom. Uh, Who's your quilty crush? I would say Lindsay from Pen and Paper Patterns. I just think she's got like just a fun personality. She's really funny. She makes me laugh a lot. And I think her patterns are just really beautiful. They're very intricate for sure, but they just stop me in my tracks every time
2: she's got something new coming out what's your favorite recent make
1: um i would say the two-tone super galactic quilt that i just finished um a couple weeks ago they're just all the red stars that i use this golden hour print from and i just love it so much i'm gonna give it to my grandma Aww. um how many quilts are in your whip pile right now Just one, the super galactic QAL quilt that I'm working on right now. I cannot, I've really been hard boundaries, like will not have more than one project going at one time because of the can of worms that I do not want to open. I cannot, will not be able to close that can again if I open it. So I've been really self-disciplined in that regard. You have a little process power. person, you
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> textbook um, process.
3: So where do you store
2: your work in progresses? Um, just on the guest bed here. And do you have any other hobbies?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm a big, big reader. So I usually set a goal for myself to read at least 30 books every year. And I almost always blow that out of the water. Um, So I love to read, Um, I love to walk, and I like to bake also and cross-stitching.
0: Before we wrap up, we've just
1: got a couple
0: more questions. Uh, First up is, who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why?
1: Um, first I would say Mary from Merry-Go-Round Quilts, which you guys had on here recently. She's doing some really great stuff to promote quilters and designers of color. So I'm really in awe of everything that she's doing. Um, also Atia from the Bright Blooms. She's a, like a Dio, she's not necessarily into quilting. She's just kind of like an overall DIY creator and designer in, in London. And she's got the most colorful and beautiful feed that is so dreamy. Um, and then finally I would say Augusto from Kappa Quilts, C-A-P-A Quilts yeah, I love, he's a Spanish quilter and designer. He's supremely talented. I love everything that he makes. So, and I'm actually partnering with him. Uh, He's going to help me um, translate my patterns into Spanish. So cool. That is awesome.
0: awesome. Yeah. He also just seems like a fun guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I really enjoyed meeting him over zoom and everything. And so my mom actually works as a, as a freelance translator and interpreter, but neither one of us really knows like the term the quilting terms in spanish so we really wanted to find like a spanish quilter to help with that so really excited to be partnering with him in that way
3: so before we sign off do you have any
1: fun projects in the horizon that you're able to share of us um i've got a couple more patterns coming out this year although recently my main overarching goal has just kind of been to rest i really want to make sure to set good boundaries with this shop and with my, you know, full-time job and still be able to enjoy my life. You know, we were put on earth for more than just paying bills and making money. And, you know, I really want to, um, you know, live every moment that I can. So I really want to practice more resting besides I'm at my best. I create the best when I am rested. So I've decided to check out you know, the goals of like, I need to have this many followers by the end of the year. And I need to have, you know, this many patterns released by the end of the year. And it's just, it'll come as it comes. So I'm really excited. I do have like five, six, seven patterns, you know, that I've designed that I'm really excited about that I'm like confirmed they're coming, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm just excited to kind of go with the flow and be a little bit softer with myself in all of this. That's
0: awesome. I'm yeah. so excited for commendable, that. commendable to say the least.
1: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: so, on that note of everyone treating themselves with a little bit of uh, gentleness, um, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can probably be most easily found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio, Wendy. I am Thee.WeekendQuarter. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Megan. I'm at
1: the Athena Workshop.
0: Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, we'd be thrilled. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.